Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And Noel, uh, happy Halloween! Ah, 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 ah. Yes, it was one, two, three snowstorms in your <laughs> neck of the woods. Ha 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 ha! Yeah, I can't, I can't help but ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, whenever anyone says Happy Halloween because when I was a kid, we had like a novelty doorbell that when mm-hmm. you rang it did that, and so just the years of my childhood, I heard Happy Halloween ah uh, ah uh, uh, like uh, so many times that anyone saying Happy Halloween just immediately triggers uh ah uh, ah. Uh, uh, in in my head um but yes you were right it's been snowing this week in chicago um i do remember a few halloweens trick-or-treating in the snow when i was a kid so for me it's not like a climate change thing uh so much as it is just like yeah welcome to the midwest (laughs) sometimes this happens yeah we live next to a big lake this this is what happens to us yeah (laughs) it's unusual though for the trees to still be green and also then it snows, that's unusual. Usually, like, it does go into progression. But I was wearing flip-flops the day before it snowed. <laughs> so, you know, that's a little weird. How's it been up your way? Uh, it's been fine. Pretty dry. Um, We've been getting, like, below freezing, like, lows in, like, the late nights, early morning. Mm-hmm. Um, But no, nothing else. Um, It doesn't really snow here until, um, whatchamacallit, until January um in february so we're okay um but we do get snow and plenty of green trees because there are just so many evergreens in the pacific northwest that the two just go hand in hand (laughs) yeah yeah no it's just the notion of it not like i i pulled out my my snow boots the other day so the notion of not needing like snow things until january was just really nice i got distracted for a moment there while you were talking because that's just <laughs> not how it works. I put my, my um I have one of those car seat warmer things that you can get uh, that plugs into your, your uh, whatever it is, the used to be a cigarette lighter thing. Um, so, yeah. so that was a excellent Christmas present for my sister a couple years ago. So I, that's officially in my car now. Uh, I, I have my scrapers out and ready to go. Um, and then we'll see how long, maybe it'll be, uh, just gorgeous weather again in a week. Who knows? But yes, it was an interesting way to end October. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, on the upside, if it snowed up here in October, I think everyone would freak out. And I think that would be appropriate for the mm-hmm. region. Yeah. But it didn't. It just, it didn't. yeah, it was just real cold at seven o'clock and six o'clock, six, seven o'clock in the morning when I'm going to get a bus to mm. get to my job. That's not fun. <laughs> Which is unpleasant. No. Yeah. <laughs> but at least it wasn't snowing. <laughs> at least it wasn't snowing. That's that's true. There is that. Um, we got some listener feedback this week. We heard from Ben from Tasmania, who uh, does want us to do a top TV shows the decade segment. Yes. Um, and he, Ben has just started watching Oh Maidens in Your Savage Season. It's very good. So excellent recommendation there as always, Noel. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think we're going to do the decades thing. I'd need to do like a little more homework, but I think we're going to do it. I don't know when. Yeah, we don't know when, but we're going to try to not have it be at the end of the year because it'll be too similar to some of our best of 2019 stuff. But yeah, we'll try to put something together. And um, we're likely not going to do like a ranked number thing just because that's kind of meaningless. But um. Yeah, like then, then what's the point of arguing about like number thirty eight versus number thirty seven? You know, but we'll have a conversation, and I'm looking forward to seeing. I don't know why you put Thirty Rock at number thirty seven, Kate. That's just wrong. It's number sixteen. Okay, it's number sixteen. <laughs> yeah, no, that's um, those are the conversations that are coming our way, and it'll be it'll be interesting. It will be interesting. Um, I also heard from Nate over on Twitter who wants to know want to know if he can write an expose for the EV Club about the theory that Michael and Henry of Great British Bake Off fame are dating because uh, he's been people are, are just now catching up to that theory and he's been on board for quite a while and has the tweet threads to prove it. Um, for those who don't know, and the Great British Bake Off, some of the fans have been all. Uh, a Twitter and swooning over Henry potentially dating Alice. And uh, this, as, as Henry wrote in his article for the times of London uh, was news to him and also to Alice's boyfriend. Uh, So it's been fun to, to kind of follow that. But as soon as those things started, um, those rumors started circulating um, based on absolutely nothing, by the way, based on like, no, like these tiny little nothing moments in from filming, you know, that would just be edited in 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 the footage for the season, and then people be like, oh, "That hug, that was a lengthy hug. They clearly are an item." Um, so then the the people in the cast have just been playing into it and having some fun, um, on Insta and all of that with these things. So, um, it's been entertaining to follow. And uh, Nate, I have enjoyed your theories as well. Do you have any? Do you have any? Uh, Bake off, uh, dream shipping situations. Like I'm, I'm a little surprised that there hasn't been a showman's yet. Yeah, I'm. I think it's just it's too stressful. Maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, because that that flame can just burn too bright too fast. Well, you, well, especially because they go home for the rest of the week while they're filming. You know. Yeah. So it's they actually spend a lot longer time like together every weekend. When they do, when you do that show, um, but I think I would imagine the kind of people who are going to make it further into the competition are going to be really focused on their prep work and their baking. Yeah, um, when they are doing it, and the people who are likelier to to get distracted by romance during Bake Off are probably going to be eliminated earlier, so then they don't spend as much time together. I don't know. I think it's curious though. Yeah, but I mean, I can't, I can't really think that like anything on Top Chef really blossomed into anything. I'm sure it's happened. Oh but, yeah, yeah. Well, there have but, been some things. Um, yeah, and there have been some people who have left some spouses uh, for other people. But um, yeah, that's not something that we need to talk about. But yeah, I I'm not surprised that I mean because basically they're all adorable. So I'm not surprised that there's a strong. There is also opinion. that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been fun. Um, this week in TV news, there was like I missed it all because I was teaching, but a bunch of stuff about HBO and HBO Max. And Noel's gonna tell you about all of that stuff. 
But uh, USA has canceled Pearson, which is the Gina Torres spinoff of Suits, unfortunately. And Lodge 49 was canceled or not renewed for another season um, by AMC, which I know was a very disappointing thing to a lot of, of TV Twitter. I still haven't seen it. Uh, Pennyworth got renewed for season two at Epics. Creepshow got renewed for season two at Shudder. Um, but yeah, the, the ones that I saw everybody talking about were, was, uh, Lodge 49. Yeah. And these are not shows I've watched though. Uh, my partner watches, has started watching Creepshow. She got, um, a Shudder, uh, membership as a birthday gift. Mm Mm-hmm. And so she actually started watching Creepshow, and she really, really enjoys it. Um, we also started watching Nosferatu. Nosferatu, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is the Zachary Quinto vampire Christmas slash location shifting show. Um, it's very weird. We watched the first episode of that. That is also on Shudder. So, but she really likes Creepshow. She watched Creep a couple episodes while she was baking uh, two weeks ago, and she likes it. So, yay. Yay. <laughs> Well, how is she feeling about um, the Castle Rock? Because she's watching that too, right? Yeah, she's really, really enjoying Castle Rock so far. Um, She's really liking what Lizzie Kaplan is doing with Annie Wilkes. Um, In particular, she thinks that uh, Kaplan's doing a really solid um, Kathy Bates vocal impression, Mm -hmm. sort of like mimicry. Homage, yeah. Yeah, um, not really like the physicality, but that's a little harder to get right. Um, but on a vocal level, and I've heard some of it, uh, just in passing, and it sounds pretty close to Kathy Bates, um, when Kathy Bates was younger. Um, but yeah, um, but she's generally enjoying it. I was unaware of the fact that they were doing a mashup of Misery and Salem's Lot, um, this season. (laughs) So, um, she also was, uh, seemed kind of keen on that as a mashup concept as well. So I think she's really enjoying this season so far. Um, it's been good baking, uh, television for her. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I was catching up on my TV this week and I was pretty much caught up. Um, like I was more caught up when we got to like Wednesday than I usually am. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, is there something else I should fill in? And I saw Castle Rock there. And I was like, oh, I could, do- oh, that's right. There were three episodes last week. No, yeah. that's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't have time for four episodes or something. I have time for like two. Um, so I don't know if I'm ever going to catch up on it since I, just you're just so immediately so far behind if you don't like watch that first three but i don't know speaking of behind like all of the shows are dropping for apple plus and uh yes soon enough this will just seem like a cakewalk because we're having all the hbo shows hbo max shows next year that are going to start dropping um now am i seeing correctly is because matthew reese is playing perry mason i'm very excited about this but is that an hbo max show i thought that was just an hbo show Maybe it's just an HBO show. I hope um, it is because I really want to watch it because it's Matthew Reese and Tatiana Maslany, and it's like, yes, please. Yeah, so that's happening. Um, though, as I tweeted, they should just get Carrie Russell to play Columbo and do a crossover and just call it. Oh my it. god, that would be amazing! I would so watch that. <laughs> I would watch it very, very, very much. Uh, what else is going on with HBO Max? Because I saw that a lot of people were tweeting about that and talking about like the big HBO Max news, but I, I couldn't actually scroll and find what the news itself was right so they had their big media day earlier this week um they announced that they're going to be 14.99 a month which puts them at the top mm-hmm. of the streaming platform cost per month um they have a sort of like weird structure of if you have 
any sort of AT&T provider type stuff, you get HBO Max. Um, if you currently have HBO now, you get HBO Max. Mm-hmm. By HBO now, I mean HBO capital N now. Oh, not um, if you currently add-on. have HBO. Yes. If you yeah, have so, HBO now. Yeah, which is HBO's... Um, if you just want streaming HBO but don't have a cable provider of some kind, or you don't want to pay your cable provider for HBO, you pay for HBO Now. That's what it's called, versus HBO Go, uh, which is the streaming service if you subscribe to HBO. Yeah, it's the affiliated app, yeah. Right, exactly. Um, So if you have that, you get HBO Max. If you have any other cable okay. provider other I know, than AT&T. I know it's a little bit of a bit that you're doing, but I'm straight up just confused. So I look at But here's the thing. I'm not doing a bit. This is actually all how yeah. this works. Okay. <laughs> so I let's say I have yeah. HBO. Okay. Yeah. Just I have HBO through my cable, just like whatever. I have HBO. And I watch HBO through my cable provider on my laptop or through an app on my laptop, yeah. but it's just like the official regular HBO. Will I also get these HBO Max shows or no? So that leads into the next thing. Who's your cable provider? Seriously, it's going to depend on your cable provider? So like if yes. you have Comcast, then you will. Because aren't they AT&T? No, they aren't. No, so no, no. if you have no. Xfinity, yeah. no. What's the AT&T's cable? at t It was just AT&T? Yeah. So if you have AT&T Comcast, Universe, you I won't think. have it. But if you have AT&T cable, whatever that is called, then you will have yeah. it. Yes, you will. This yeah, that's the thing. Annoying. Yeah. So if you subscribe to HBO uh-huh. on any a non-AT&T cable provider, HBO Max is a totally separate add-on that you have to pay additional for. You do not get HBO Max in the varied various tier yeah. conditions, if you okay. pay for HBO through another cable provider that is not AT and T, okay. If you just straight up cut the cords, but you buy HBO Max, do you have access to the HBO shows? I think so. So, like, you can watch the new episodes of like Insecure when it comes back. I think so. That part I'm not sure on because that's the thing. I have to assume that you will. Because if you have HBO now, capital N, the app, uh-huh. um, you're going to basically you're going to get be- HBO Max. So we right. would just buy HBO now because then right. you'd have everything. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, this is insane. <laughs> it is. That's the thing. Is like none of this makes sense from a like a marketing perspective, mm-hmm. um, and it's just nonsense. It's just a lot of nonsense. Um, and it's very confusing. It's going to be, they're going to have to figure out another way to make it make sense. What it essentially boils down to, though, is that HBO wants you to stop paying your cable provider for HBO so that you just subscribe to HBO Max instead. They don't want to share any part of the profits. Exactly. Like, the, the they're trying to cut out the cable provider, basically. So in a weird way, they're encouraging a cord cut, but not directly because they're it's very weird so it it just doesn't make a lot of sense but they're gonna have all of south park and all of rich uh rick and morty both the two shows that they announced that they're gonna be the exclusive exclusive streaming uh homes for 
Um, they announced that this week. Um, they don't have Harry Potter still because NBC Universal has Harry Potter through 2025. <laughs> um, they have but, all the DC movies, right? Right, and all the DC movies are going to be available as well. There's no word on if this gets if um, like any of the DC Universe stuff gets folded into this. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't researched that aspect of it. I have. I would imagine not. But all the DC stuff is going to be on a, all the HBO. All sorry, all the DC affiliated movies, movies. are going to be on HBO Max. Um, and at to the make very it least. more confusing, Greg Berlanti is doing a Green Lantern TV show. Yes, but the CW shows are not necessarily going to be on there. Right. Yeah. Even though they're losing their Netflix um, exclusivity, so they may end up on here. Who the fuck knows at this point? Um, the <laughs> other news is that, yeah, Issa Rae, Mindy Kaling, and Elizabeth Banks all have projects or shows in development with HBO Max right now. That got announced as well. Um, and in case you also missed it, though, this was announced like a while ago, is that they also are now the exclusive streaming home for all the Studio Ghibli films. Um, oh, okay. Which is a big deal. That's a big get. Um, especially considering Disney's been the one that's been distributing those on home video for years. Um, so then picking up the streaming is a big deal. Also because Studio Ghibli was like, we're not going to let anything be available for streaming. And then like the next day, HBO Max announced, we got all 21 of those movies. So we hope you enjoyed watching Princess Mononoke on mm-hmm. HBO Max. Nice. Okay. I think at least I understand more <laughs> what's going on yeah. with this now. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Just, yeah. No. There's, there's a lot. Um, see, for Apple TV, it's just like we have like five shows. Very straightforward. Very easy yeah. to keep track of comparatively. So we'll see how things continue to develop with all of these different new platforms. I keep waiting because it keeps expanding. I keep waiting for it to come back in because it's got to. And like, you know, the, you can't continuously expand into all these different platforms because people don't have money. So they're not going right. to buy for all of them. You know, they're not going to pay for and subscribe to all of these different, you know, streaming platforms. And so at some point, Peak TV will need to pull back in. Um, and all of these shows will be canceled, but doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon. I think what I think actually, I think what's potentially going to happen is that, um, especially with, um, services that are sort of like bundled together or have like longstanding legacy type things. So like Netflix or, um, Amazon prime video, which you can get just the video now, but if you have prime shipping, you get the whatchamacallit built in now. Um, Aside from like those two, I would argue that everything else, including to maybe to a lesser degree HBO Max um, and maybe to a lesser degree Disney Plus because of their extensive back catalogs. Um, And the other thing that HBO uh, Max announced was the fact that they're going to be naturally releasing a ton of uh, the Warner Brothers and an MGM back catalog through Turner Classic Movies. But they're also going to have deals with the Criterion collection to which everyone went, but I just paid for the Criterion channel. What the fuck? Um, But is like their back catalogs are going to be like the big draw, I think for a lot of these. But I think also with original programming, especially like something like Apple TV or something like CBS All Access or even something like Peacock, um, I can see people, and I mean, I'm already doing this with All Access, is paying for it for X number of months to watch The Good Fight 
and then Mm -hmm. canceling it and coming back in a year to pay them again. And what I'm more interested in seeing is how that affects these other um, streamers, basically, that maybe don't have that extensive back catalog. Um, That when it's like, all right, you've watched all five of the shows that are on Apple TV. Mm -hmm. What do you do with Apple TV after that? Because there's nothing. They don't have a back catalog of any kind. And Tim Cook's over here trying to pitch this as, well, you know, it's a good thing. And it's like, is it? (laughs) (laughs) So I think that I think that's more likely what's going to happen with some of these anyway. I can see HBO Max and their price point, I think, is trying to push that idea of being a premium level again, branding type of thing of being a premium level streamer because of the content that they are licensing and paying out through the nose for and their extensive back catalog of programming um, and film as well that I think they're banking on being like the big draw that keeps you subscribing to it all year round, basically, as opposed to some of the other smaller ones that have either less support from their corporate overlord or just don't quite have the back catalog to support digging through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially if it if if it's kind of thing where you can wait till a show that you care about finishes its season, and then yeah. the next time you're sick, just binge it by the channel for a, like even a week yes you know like why there's nothing yeah. motivating you to not do that and that would just make more sense so yeah it'll be interesting uh, our last bit of news that we is not tv related um all i mean i guess technically in some ways but just shout out to the writers and editors uh that used to work at deadspin uh were you did you follow this as it was going to i was teaching i got out of teaching and like all of this stuff had gone down and there was no longer a dead spin um on on thursday yeah. it was a wednesday wednesday night yeah i was i was working so i missed almost all of this mm-hmm. um and then kind of caught up a little bit and just went wow the writing had been on the wall about like something bad happening to dead spin um but i didn't expect it to be this in terms of yeah no we're all just gonna quit Bye. Well, with like, a middle finger extended. <laughs> Deuces up, right? Um, for those who don't know, uh, Noel, what what is Deadspin? What what is this? Right. So Deadspin is slash was a um, gosh, it was a Gawker Media vertical um, that covered sports, and I put that in quotation marks um, because Deadspin was ostensibly a sports um, vertical. However, they did a number of coverage on culture at large that was either tangentially or not even connected to sports. Um, Like, I read Deadspin for, even though I care nothing about football, I read it for the preseason guide, which is always really snarky about each of the teams. And they also did a Let's Make Fun of the Williams-Sonoma catalog, which is one of the best things on the internet (laughs) each year when that comes out, because it's amazing. And both of those, um, while one is directly connected to sports and the Williams-Sonoma thing is not connected to sports, they're both like things that me as a person who does not really care about sports actually read. Um, But they also did plenty of good stuff on politics um, 
and culture and entertainment culture at large um by and large it was generally really solid work on a number of levels and the new owners of gawker and those uh uh uh, whatchamacallits, those um, various sites. In- including VAV Club and The Onion and Jezebel and The Root and all sorts of many other sites. Kotaku is another one. Yeah. yeah. Told Deadspin that they could only cover sports or like one degree separated from sports. It had to deal with sports in some fashion. Otherwise, it did not belong on Deadspin. Um, and they... F- fired one of the main editors or that editor quit and then literally every other staff writer and editor went okay bye type of thing because in terms of the editorial edicts and then the fact that they thought doing autoplay video ads in the middle of articles basically as pop-ups was a good idea um which it's not Mm -hmm. (laughs) surprise people don't like that um, especially when they're trying to read something, um, th- this chain of dominoes kind of just like came to that came to this point today. Um, but like I said, the writing had been on the wall about this sort of um, this something breaking a dead spin because of the fact that this sports only edict was something that had been percolating for a little while. Uh, so it's the I was expecting a much slower decline. <laughs> rather than this immediate sort of there's not a dead spin anymore um (laughs) to happen um but i it's it's i just it's really admirable that they that the employees there were willing to do this and kind of respect the version of dead spin that they had contributed and built yeah well and it was also i mean because you talked about that ad uh the ad play thing um yeah. the editors had put up a, a brief post to the readers to basically say just fyi we don't have any control of this and yes. we're really sorry that it's affecting your experience and here's who to contact to let them know you don't like it and then that got taken down by the people who own the site uh even though that is against the contract they have with them uh so that was one thing that happened this week. And then, yeah. So when, when Barry was, um, was fired, the, the union responded, um, saying that they did not accept that. And I guess the owners tried to get everybody else to like, just, you know, to take, take that hit and, and move on and keep their jobs. But they, that a number of the editors and writers, all resigned the next day and then i think the day after that everybody else did and so that's incredibly brave and a wonderful thing to be able to do and it's not like there are jobs waiting for them so someone who was working in that market there's not (laughs) yeah so that's incredibly a very principled stand and incredibly courageous and Shout outs to all, all those people to you know who are willing to do that. This is a lot. Um, and who knows what's coming next? <laughs> Yay! We'll see what happens with all those other sites. Um, but yeah, pouring out for Deadspin. Literally, like the day after the World Series, there's no content at one of the biggest websites for sports yeah. journalism. Yeah, that's what happens. So so we'll see what happens next. 
at least they got to write about Trump being booed in a very tongue-in-cheek way because mm-hmm. it was like, this is not about politics, but it's about politics in the article. Like, mm-hmm. very being very, really explicit of like, this yeah. isn't about politics, but it is about politics, and I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there was also, I mean, there was a lot of really great reporting there. There was a really, yeah. uh, really smart piece on Gamergate that's been mm-hmm. kind of remaking the yeah. rounds from about five years ago. And yeah. just a lot of really good... It, it, like funny ridiculous the William Sonoma thing is a, a lot of people are pointing to that um because it's just like a perfect encapsulation of it but um but yeah lots of really good work o- over there and hopefully those writers are able to find someone else that will pay them but there aren't that many places left so on that depressing note this week at the end of the show, we're going to be talking about Tuca and Birdie, another thing that people love that is gone now. Um, though it's not, it's canceled, but but we can still at least watch it and appreciate it. So uh, we hadn't seen it. Uh, we decided to catch up with it this week. That'll be coming at the end of the show. Um, for now, we're going to take a break and come back with our week in TV. And to take us into our week in TV, having started rehearsals for holiday stuff already with my some of my students i particularly enjoyed the music this week uh on perfect harmony because they they sang christmas carols but made them halloween themed and yeah that's like right in the center of the wheelhouse for me making fun of christmas carols and also like churches that change the lyrics to popular music to fit their idea of religious themes and and Bradley Whitford just being exasperated and curmudgeonly about it. It was all very delightful. So we're going to listen to that. And he didn't conduct any of those songs. So exactly. So was even happier. No <laughs> conducting. It was wonderful. We listen to that and we'll be back with our Week in TV. Oh, little ghost town of Bethlehem. They're dead and we saw Imagine I'm slamming this. A bridge that I can't cross, cause a troll underneath is the boss. Cause the troll underneath is the boss. Do you feel what I feel? What I feel what I feel what I feel what I feel what I feel. As I said earlier, that was a little ghost town of Bethlehem. Silent Fright, and Do You Fear What I Fear, <laughs> which are the Halloween carols this week on Perfect Harmony. This week in comedy and reality, uh, we're going to talk about The Good Place, a chip driver mystery, Superstore, Trick or Treat, a uh, little bit on Perfect Harmony, Hallelujah. I'll talk briefly about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, The Janitor Always Mops Twice. And we'll round things out with The Great British Bake Golf Patisserie Week. So first up is The Good Place. I've been wondering for a while uh, why Simone hasn't figured out that obviously this is not the good place just because of, you know, um, so so the chip driver mystery uh, pushing things kind of to a breaking point, I think, was overdue. And I was enjoying just how terrible and douchey everything was. Um, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was really funny and I enjoyed how aggressively and very clearly they addressed the terribleness of Brent. 
of like, all right, we're gonna we're let's talk about Brent. We need to talk about Brent um, <laughs> type of thing. And so I was really glad that they did that, and they did that with um, a great deal of like, no, we're not gonna like really rely on a lot of metaphor. We're not gonna beat around the bush. We're gonna show him playing golf. We're gonna play up his privilege. All this sort of stuff. We're gonna make him short shorten the word compliment in the least attractive way possible um (laughs) and then just like flat out deal with it and so i really appreciate all that um but i'm also just like but i I don't i don't really i don't feel like i'm spending any time with anyone yeah and it's getting like really one of the things i realized particularly with this episode is that for a show that does a really good job of balancing character narrative this season has been really heavy on narrative and its character stuff has been not as well constructed, especially since like the first two episodes um, when we had Eleanor's uh, breakdown. Everything else has just been kind of really narrative driven, but also in ways that just feel wheel spinny at the same time. Um, So I kept keep hoping they're going to find a gear as we go into the back half. But I just don't feel like that's happening. And I'm getting like increasingly more and more worried as it feels like they're moving pieces around a board as opposed to telling a story. Um, and that's that makes me anxious. Um, it gives me a stomach ache. So <laughs> that's how I'm feeling about it. But I am with you in that I do think that this is a good tipping point for Simone to go, okay, provided I'm actually accepting that all of this is real, this is obviously not the good place. Yeah. Because... This guy is here. <laughs> um, and he did nothing. And if he had done something good, he would definitely be bragging about it in the worst possible way. Um, so, yeah, how are you feeling about sort of like how they're balancing character versus narrative? Am I like, completely off base here? Or like, what's, how are you feeling about the season, especially as we're about to go into the second half? I think there's been a lot of really fun and interesting good moments. But it's been, it feels like a lot of filling time so like if, when i think about the characters like they're like the stuff that we get this week with with michael and bad janet and and very possibly i mean I'm, this is obviously setting up something that's going to come later yes. with bad janet deciding to be good and not telling the judge something or who knows but um yeah. or just changing it all and um that's you know so so it is i'm sure connected to the narrative in some way but really it was about michael it's about character stuff for michael and there has been a lot of character stuff for michael especially going back to the bad place and you know there's you know in the recent episodes but it really just it feels like so much filler you know and and you get these really entertaining funny moments um or set pieces <laughs> like cheaty with that motorcycle um uh so it's not that it's not enjoyable but I, there's nothing close to what the show has previously had as its center every week, which these, these discussions are around philosophy and purpose and combining that with history of these characters and of their lives on earth and of their experiences. There's been like, like Simone has been completely wasted. Um, that actress has got nothing to do. Chidi, of course, by plot necessities has not been there. And while we got a, and a couple nice little things for Tahani and Jason. Really, it's just been a lot of getting bogged down in in plot turns that are ultimately going to be irrelevant. Or that feel like they will ultimately be irrelevant. And missing the bigger... It's like missing 
I'm missing the trees. There's too much force. There's not enough trees. Yeah. Um, because ultimately, I don't care about the forest. <laughs> you know, the, these, the, the good place, the comparisons to Lost, right? The, the discussions that the showrunner had with Lindelof and Q's uh, around Lost were something that people made a big uh, point of when the show first started and certainly at the end of the first season. And this feels like the, the inverse of the late Lost discussions. Um, yeah. Where it's instead of letting all the big picture kind of spiral out of control because we're so focused on the specific it's it's a bit the opposite i'm losing the characters i'm losing the the relationships that i'm most invested in and they're just kind of falling into rhythms yeah and yeah so I, i'm enjoying it I'm, I'm having fun with the season but as we head into discussions about the best of the decade and the best of the year good place is going to be way further down that list for me than it has in the past it does not feel essential viewing to me right now yeah that's that's, a little sad that's that's the big thing is like i'm excited to watch it but it's also just like i'd much rather like watch superstore basically Mm -hmm. it's like Um, what hijinks are they gonna get into this week before it all resets you know yeah um or before they just kind of go all right so we need to come up with another plan off screen about how to save humanity. And yeah, it's just, I don't know if they feel dwarfed by the stakes that they created for themselves or what, but it, there's just a lack of the, a lack of the small, I think, and which is something that the show did really well, just is not here. Yeah. Yeah. Over on Superstore, we have Trick or Treat, which um, saw, heard you, the return of, what was it, like Halloween Surfboard or whatever that terrible uh, song was that was featured a couple of years ago. Yes. Um, yeah, I, you better believe I was listening for that in the background. Um, but really, the the big thing here is the return of uh, Justina Machado, or return of, or first introduction of. Is, first introduction of, I believe. Thank you. Uh, Justina Machado is playing, like, the the new Lori. And yeah. um, we don't know whether she found the union cards or if she does, whether she is pro or anti-union um, as they are still working to put, get everybody back together. Um, and this is combined with hijinks <laughs> and also with a very serious uh, thematic discussion around exploitation of undocumented citizens. So uh, and undocumented workers, I thought it was a good balance. I thought it was a fun episode. I mean, like, Fun feels like the wrong thing to say because it's so stressful, <laughs> but I but I thought it was a strong episode. Yeah, no, I think this is just a lot of fun. Um, the way that they're playing out the union storyline continues to be really good, and I like this complication of does she know or does she not know? Wait, wait, which is it? How do, how are we supposed to read this situation? Um, I think is really good, and it also like leaves the door open for Machado to come back, which I think is. I think she has a really good energy for this show. Um, so her popping up every now and then I think would be really good. Um, but man, the B and C plots for this week were just so good. Like <laughs> Ch- Cheyenne Mateo debating whether or not Dina could be a serial killer for the entire episode was just gold. And also, yes, Dina could be a serial killer. Yes. <laughs> And get away with it for years, and no one would catch her. Um, and then just Garrett torturing Glenn with the haunted house. You didn't need to do the English accent. It felt right. 
It's just like, oh, <laughs> it's so good. So I enjoyed basically the entirety of this episode over that course. And then, like you mentioned, uh, the exploration of Mateo and taking advantage of Undocumented, which happened in last week's episode, oh, was sorry, really good you. and deeply uncomfortable. And but we didn't talk about it. Um, but it was all it was also really, really good and just real cringy and real stressful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that they, at least for an episode, talked about like like I'm glad they gave a reason for Mateo to be in to be there. Um yeah. I like the return of David Wayne, who's always very funny. Um and yeah, addressing that element to his status i think because you know they found a way to do it that works which is good because his fellow employees yeah. can't do that uh, in the 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 cloud nine because we like them and the show wants us to like them so this was a, a good workaround for that to show that exploitation without without having to turn one of our main group into a just a horrible person so well yeah. i mean carol would do it so oh that's true well but she's now she's on her new like acceptance thing yeah so maybe that's not true. yeah um yeah. any other thoughts on superstore no uh so tell me about perfect harmony and hallelujah okay um that tux could easily have cost more than five hundred dollars Yes. No, they could have just sold the tux on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was funny and I like the songs. I also like that they're giving Anna Camp uh more to do or the, that character more to do. The terrible uh trick or treating at the church was was entertaining, though I don't believe that those kids would have stood for that <laughs> as long as they do. No. Um, no. and it, it feels like a bunch of people who don't have kids writing about kids or, um, yeah. who don't do the, the day-to-day, you know, childcare in the same way. <laughs> um, or at least don't, don't deal with children en masse, which is a different yeah. thing. Um, but I, I enjoyed this episode. I thought, I thought it was one of their stronger episodes. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, having, giving Anna Camp's character, Jenny, a bit more depth in terms of, all right, yeah, no, I, I, I want to, I want a little bit of career advancement at this job type of thing, I think is a really good way of, um, doing a kind of small stakes air quote, even though this could mean a small lifestyle style change for her, depending on her salary. Um, I thought it was just a good, good concept. And also the fact that she came up with a really good idea that uh, brought in a ton of folks to what is normally their deadest, one of their dead nights. I thought it was really great, even if it was mostly a typo. <laughs> um, but I think just all of that coupled with Bradley Whitford dancing, um, it's just it was just really good and i agree with you i think this is probably their strongest one so far yeah or among those for sure i also just like the throwaway um that his his uh his wife was kinky and it's just like mm-hmm. judgment free very like yeah. very ggg and just like yeah yeah she was kinky so you know i'm i can, I can i've got some moves <laughs> and, and the combination of like they i think they they make him good enough Yes. And like I think they balanced all of that well. Uh and like the people who are digging it and the people who are like, I can't look away. Why can't I look <laughs> away? Make eyes move. <laughs> I think yeah. all of that worked really well. And just the notion, like the ripping off the sleeves and everything, making a Chippendales look 
out of a penguin suit, right out of a tuxedo and keeping the tails, I think is just, that yes. was the, the, the chef's kiss piece de resistance of that outfit and that costume. So, so well done. Though it just, it did make like the little sound that he made that Whitford made as he goes yes. to cut up his tuxedo. I, I also made that sound. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> no, don't do it. <laughs> oh man. Anyways. Uh, yeah, it was, it, it was fun. Uh, also fun. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. The janitor always bombs twice. Now, did you see anything about this? No, no, I did not. So tell me about it. They did a noir episode. Okay. It's in black and white and and styled and and shot to look like a to look like a 40s sort of noir and uh it's just delightful and it's, uh it's it's that um like that bogey kind of anti-hero Fred McMurray monologue but it's Charlie and he actually is a janitor but he's got to clean so he's got to clean up all the messes and he's like yeah. on the trail of uh of of a of a diarrhea poisoning you know and it's a, it's a good blend of breaking the fourth wall and not awareness and not cuz like D is trying really hard to she wants to be the femme, femme fatale but they're like no you're a goon she's like but I'm wearing a I'm wearing a lingerie I'm wearing a nightie why would a goon wear a nightie I don't know maybe he's trying to trick us I don't know you're clearly the goon it's like it was a good blend of all these different sensibilities of the show and uh mm-hmm. I was when I was watching it I had to sort of like multitask and do some other things so I look forward to going back and actually like getting to really appreciate the cinematography and the the direction of it um which i didn't really get to when i was first watching it but um shout out to always sunny doing something different and i thought like the the schemes and the the performances and like all of this just worked really well the, the charlie episodes have overwhelmingly been the best episodes of the show the the charlie centric spotlighting episodes and some of that's because of charlie day's performances some of that's also just the construction of the show where he can do these flight of flights of fancy and it fits really well with the show and the dynamics that they've established um but like like charlie work is another one they did the flowers for algernon one with him they did this one like they they're super fun so yeah well, well done always sunny in season 14 doing something a little different um let's go over to our last episode for the week in comedy and reality and that is the great british bake-off patisserie week now my recap and review of the finale is o- up over at the av club we're going to talk about that next week because you haven't had a chance to see it yet um so this was patisserie week what what did you think of rosie's big week it was such a big week yeah it was a roller coaster of just stuff and i just felt so bad for Rosie this week of just like all of it was bad and then all of it was really good and then it was all not good again mm-hmm. <laughs> um I mean that technical was just you've been talking a lot about like the editing in your views and just the way that that technical was really edited in a way of like all right she's collapsing no wait she did the best of everyone. The build of that and everything was really well done. And it was like the best edited segment, narratively speaking, that the show's done all season. Um, which maybe they can just handle segment editing and can't handle yeah. episode narrative editing, which is still not a good thing. But yeah, it was rough because Rosie's been doing really well with the technicals. She came in second in Patis Pastries. She came in first in the, um, whatchamacallit, in the festivals week. Um, so, like, she was on a little good run of the technicals, and then just, but the signature and the showstopper just didn't work for her. Um, so, yeah, it was rough. It was rough. 
so I felt really bad. My partner felt really bad because we watched this together and we're just like, oh, this is bad, but she's definitely going home even though she won the technical because everything else was just not a good week. How'd you feel about Rosie's week? Well, I th- I feel like Rosie's been underappreciated in the Bake Off community. Yeah, um, she's super good and generally really consistent. This was just a really bad week. Yeah, she's had a bad week. But like, I, there, I've just seen a, a number of people... And who knows, this could just be my Twitter bubble. But a number of people really upset that she was still in when some of their other fan favorites were out. Like, they would rather have Michael. They would rather have Henry last longer. Um, and I and I feel like she has not gotten the best edit. I feel like um, I like, I really enjoy all of her random veterinary stories. <laughs> I do, her, too. Her dynamic with Noel is great. Um, so, because I, I keep feeling like, I am watching a different show than other people because I feel like Rosie keeps getting good comments on her flavors and she's doing interesting techniques that no one else is doing. And she's, you know, she's trying other things. Like I didn't think she got enough credit for her triangle, uh, Keklapis, you know, like things like that, um, where it might not have, have come together entirely and worked, but at least she's trying things. At least she's getting out there and doing it and, and, and pushing herself. So, so I was, I had zero, (laughs) At a zero percent expectation of that she was going to make it through to the last episode, uh, to the final, because of just the way that the show has been treating and the judges, the kind of comments they've been giving the different people. And so it almost felt like they're like, well, but we got to send Rosie home. But she did so good in the technical. Well, I hope she fucks up the the showstopper. Uh, it almost kind of felt like that. Um, yeah. Like, well, we really don't want to send these any of these people home. Huh. Um, so it was just a little unusual for me. But her, her, I thought she had by far the best concept for her showstopper, yes. but then just didn't execute it, yeah. unfortunately. And yeah. I, I really felt like everybody else just made a cake. And, and when they were giving David a hard time for just making a cake, I'm like, also, Steph just made a cake. Uh, yeah, but Steph made an opera cake and that made it fancy. It just and that was okay. It's still just a cake. It's just a cake that has an outside to it. Like an yeah, opera no. cake is not a super fancy cake. It just has a name. That's what I told my person. And she was just like, no, it's it's better. And I just went, it's not though. It's just it's still a cake. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 a cake. I mean, David's just stacked a bunch of cakes together. He's just it looked, looked real more, pretty. Yeah. 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 It looked real pretty, but it was just stacked layers of sponge. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and, and when they're like, well, and she's got the patisserie in there. I'm like, because apparently opera cake counts as patisserie. I did some Googling on this because I was going to write about it. And I was like, mm, let's do some research. Okay. Apparently yeah. it counts as patisserie. So fair enough. Um, but they're like, oh, well, because, you know, she showed the macarons. So she showed some pastry. And I'm like, she had like two pieces of nut brittle and a macaron. That. Yeah. Come on. That doesn't count. That doesn't, that's not enough. Now, Allison made an entremet, which fair enough. That shows a lot more technique. I also don't think yeah. of that as patisserie because it's huge. I think of patisserie being yeah. small. Um, yeah. but hey, it's, it's impressive. I get it. Um, yeah. and it looked gorgeous, but, yeah. um, yeah, it was just, it was very puzzling to me. I liked the technical quite a lot. They have done that one before, but they did it as a, a showstopper. Back in an, in season three of the show, and 
and so that, therefore they could all practice it at home. So making them have to do it without practice, I thought was a good challenge. It was a good balance of different skills. Yeah. Um, so I liked that. And I, I even enjoyed the, uh, the 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 signature so i mean i like these challenges i just i felt i felt i felt really bad for for rosie because um at least like that that relieved like undeniable giggle and laugh right on like that she can't even believe after the technical which is so charming and and i mean i feel like we've all had moments like that you know you're like "Uh, it works I wasn't ready for it to work. <laughs> um, so that, I mean, I really enjoyed her this season and um, yeah, going into the, going into the, the final, I don't know. Like, obviously I know cause I've seen it and I've written about it, but yeah. <laughs> when I had seen that and I hadn't seen the final yet, um, my head, you know, I was like, well, it very much seems like it is down to it's Steph's to lose. Yes. And Alice could take it if Steph has a bad day. Yeah. And David could take it only if Steph and Alice both have a bad day because they don't like David. They just don't like his yeah. flavors. That's sort no, of where I was at it. Yeah. Also, speaking of not liking flavors, and I really want your opinion on this. Um, when Paul went to go sh- taste the what the gato was supposed to look like, he looked like he was not enjoying that at all. <laughs> yeah, it's always interesting when they're like super on board and when they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because he looked very unhappy to have a bite of that in his mouth um, during that sequence. It looked beautiful, but maybe it didn't taste good. Yeah, which is a possibility, yeah. So, yeah, it was just kind of a, it was a roller coaster of an episode that I was just like, oh, Rosie. Because like you, I really like Rosie, and I think Rosie's been a really good presence on the show. She's just, she's just so dry that, yeah. like... She's just so, so dry um, that I deeply appreciate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I really liked it. But yeah, it was just it was a rough week for her. And so I'm eager to watch the finale um, when I get off this podcast recording with you and when my person gets home, because we will watch that and then we'll watch a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Any predictions? I mean... No predictions, but I do want you to spoil me on one thing. Okay. Okay. And you don't have to be specific. I just yeah. need to know. Do they have to f- go outside the tent to no. make bread on no. an open fire? Okay. And I sauces? will just, yeah, I will just <laughs> lay those. Like, I was very concerned that there would be some <gasps> stupid bullshit. And I, I yeah. think the challenges in the finale are very well chosen and okay. are good challenges i'm a little like really on the signature but i think the and i and it and it it took seeing the eventual winners showstopper mm-hmm. for me to really get on board with the showstopper but then when i saw that baker's showstopper i was like oh i get it okay yeah this is a good finale showstopper fair enough um okay but so yeah so no the 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 i have strong issues with the finale but it's not around the bakers and it's not around the results and it's not around the challenges so 
Okay. That's a very, like, what else could there be? What else is left? You know what I mean? But we'll talk I mean, about it next Yeah, week. no, apparently you have a real problem with Sandy in the finale, and I look forward to discussing that with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're actually going to talk about Sandy next week, but not for a reason you could possibly think, because it has nothing to do with, like, what's actually in the, it's actually from a thing from several episodes ago that's unrelated, oh. but that's funny. Oh, okay. I enjoy this. Does, does it have to do with the weird recurring Sandy's in a bag thing? Because I don't, I don't enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not that. Or in a drawer. Um, it's not that okay. at all. Uh, I like the drawer one because she was actually in a drawer that one time and it was totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it's uh, the role of the hosts is something that I think has shifted over the course of the run of the show. And yeah. so we will talk about that more next week. Uh, okay. But I'm trying to get out of here without spoiling anything for you. So let's finish this section. Um, and we'll just, I was going to ask you for what wins your week in comedy and reality, but let's just wait and do it at the end of the whole week in TV. Okay. So we'll take a break, listen to some more music, and come back with our week in genre and drama. This week in genre and drama, I'm going to talk briefly about Stumptown, which has that episode this week, Bad Alibis. Then we'll move over to genre and we'll talk about Watchmen, martial feats of Comanche horsemanship. Uh, then go over to the CW for Supergirl in plain sight and uh, the flash. There will be blood round and round things out with arrow leap of faith. So first up is Stumptown. And I, I you're a little behind on this. Yes. Um, I think so. I think I'm too behind. I definitely haven't seen this week's episode. Um, but they were off last week, so I think I'm I'm just a week behind. Have you seen the Donald Logue ones? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you've seen the entire Donald Logue, like, two episode, three episode arc? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I've, I've really enjoyed how they used him. I thought that worked really well. I've enjoyed the just the dynamics throughout the season i think um that they've handled because you know i mentioned at the start of the season i was a little leery about dex's brother but i think they've done really well with that character and by that character um and this episode was very gray centric and paid mm-hmm. off some of the other stuff we've seen so far this season and again i think they, they just keep making smart choices and improving the dynamics between the characters trusting the energies and and personas and, and performances of their actors and really like getting us invested uh, or getting me invested, I should say with these characters. So I just wanted to shout out bad alibis. I thought it was a good payoff of the, or it feels like it's a payoff, but you know, it's just the start of a longer thing. You know, it's, it's not the payoff for another payoff. Yeah, exactly. It's like, there's, there's going to be, 
you could it's one of, those, one of those episodes where it's like if that was the end of the of the season or the end of the arc or whatever it would it works but you know it's not that tidy so something else is going to come up i'm sure um but but yeah so i, I enjoyed this episode i thought it was a good one wanted to shout it out and we'll talk more once you've had you know when you catch up um so let's move over to watchmen martial feats of comanche horsemanship and what did you think yeah i like this episode as well i'm still like I don't know why I'm not as excited as I think everyone else is. I mm-hmm. don't know quite what's happening yet, but it's also like, this is very much a show in which I can watch Lewis Gossett Jr. get abducted by a spaceship with a big <laughs> magnet and go, yeah, that belongs in this show and I'm not going to question it. In episode two, I feel good about my general relationship with a show um, in that kind of an instance. So I'm definitely on board, but it's also I'm still like trying to get my head around a concept of being really excited about the show as opposed to just sort of liking and admiring, but admiring more um then i necessarily think liking even though i do like it just on that scale i'm more on an admirer side than a like side um which is not a bad place to be especially when this is a show that i think is still really engaging in a lot of stuff um is doing delightfully weird things including that really great stuff with um henry lewis gates um just call me skip it's just Mm -hmm. like yes i i'm just gonna call you skip and then crediting him as skip gates and then, as played by Henry Louis Gates, was just so good. So I think that there's just a lot to like here. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I do like it. I just, I'm not like all in yet for some reason. And I'm, I, I don't know what's holding me back. Um, God knows it's not Jeremy Irons just surrounding himself with clones of Tom Nissan. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, it's just a weird show and it's a weirdness that works for me. And I think that's what I'm responding to. Anyway, I want to stop monologuing because I need a little bit of water. Uh, what did you think about this episode? What did you think about the um, the uh, clan outfit reveal that happens in Don Johnson's character's closet? I almost hit it in Don Johnson's closet, but I realized <laughs> that in this context, that would be very bad for Don Johnson. It would be very bad for Don Johnson, yeah. Um <laughs> You know, as you're, you're talking about this, as sitting here going like, oh, yeah, this is episode two. This doesn't feel like episode two. And it doesn't. It's too self-assured. Like, they trust themselves and their audience so much. And there's so much world building, you know? And that's what I was going to point to is, like, when we see the DNA swab, we're like, okay, well, what, you know, she, you know, she takes the cup. It's like, what, do they, are they going to go run Insta DNA, right? Like they always do on these shows. And no, she doesn't take it to the cop. She takes it to every, like the, that bit of world building I thought was terrific. Really interesting. Continue to flesh out the world and explain some of where they're at. Um, some of the, like the Redforations and Redford Asians, <laughs> whatever, how it's pronounced. Yeah, um, Redford, Red, Redford Asians. Redford Asians. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, it just was really, it was really interesting. I did not see that twist coming, the reveal coming. Uh, I should have, but I didn't. I felt stupid. Um, yeah. And, and, and the performance in that moment was so great. Um, there were so, there's been so many little, there's been so many little 
beats of character and, and performance, like the the kid, um, the son, you know, destroying his his like I'm just gonna say future Legos, um, and and all that, like just again, that's the kind of performance I don't always expect. I thought there was enough subtlety there. I thought it was a really good moment. Um, I don't always expect from kids on TV. Um, there was just a lot here, and when you go to the reveal that our you know Judd. <laughs> the, J- our hero Judd has a clan robe and apparently I saw something on Twitter about it's like a more recent you know as opposed to being an older because the, the design you know for the years you know the clan has changed their look over the decades um, is really interesting and I like that immediately um, which it didn't occur to me immediately she's like did you put plant that there because it easily could have been planted there it was so yeah. exactly where you know like I liked when 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 her when the old man uh, was like, "Wait, no, it was like literally in the closet." That's that seems a bit on the nose, you know. Um, so there was just a lot of just little touches of mystery and nuance and and like I mean, continue to enjoy the tech. It feels very connected, but thirty years on, you know, from what we saw in the comic book uh, or the graphic novel, and yeah, I'm just really, I'm just so all in. And I, I understand, you know, your hesitations or why you're not there yet. If you get, if you do get to where I am, I'm looking, I look forward to talking about it with you every week on the podcast. And if not, that's okay too. Yeah. But I mean, we're probably going to discuss this every week because there's plenty of stuff to like kind of broadly talk about. No, we're it. discussing it. I look forward yeah. to fangirling and fanboying oh, <laughs> the show with okay. you. If you yeah. get to the level of like in it that I am, and if mm-hmm. not, that's totally okay. We'll still have interesting conversations. But um, I'm just like giddy waiting for the next episode. Um, uh-huh. And and it's just again we've talked about this previously. We've talked about this with shows that we trust and shows. I feel very safe in Lindelof's hands with this stuff. And um, so far, I mean, who knows? But like. Like you said, when when a spaceship comes down or something and just and he just waves out the window, like he's got literal friends in high places. Like that's the kind of I'm just sitting there going, like that is amazing. I'm so on board with the show. Yes, there and are polar bears on an like, island, and it doesn't make any sense. And but I feel like the people who are doing this know why there's polar bears on an island, which they did explain. Don't know why everybody goes back to that. It was a very easy, clear explanation. That's a discussion for a different podcast. But right, guys, because the real thing that you need to focus on is who are those folks on the Outrider? <laughs> yeah, who was driving the Outrider? Um, anyways, I I continue to be bowled away. Uh, I continue to be bowled over by Regina King's performance and mm-hmm. all of these touches and uh, to the to the characterization. I like the flashback structure in this. I've got many questions about. Who was who was that second man? And if that was if that was Judd um, in the mask, so um, yeah, there's clearly a lot still coming, and I'm excited to find out what comes next. I, I I'm yeah. so much more interested in the rest of Watchmen than I am in his Dark Materials. I've seen the first two of his Dark Materials, and yeah. I mean, my advice to everyone, especially diehard fans of the book, is to just lower your expectations a bit. Not because it's bad, because it's not bad. But because it couldn't possibly live up to that expectation, and because right now, it, at least in the first couple, it feels like an adapt. It, it feels like an adaptation. It doesn't feel like its own thing, and this feels like its own thing. It feels distinct. There's a reason for it to be made. 
besides because people like the book. Yeah. Well, it is. I mean, we talked about that last week with the premiere. It was like, this is not an adaptation of Watchmen. It's something else. Just Watchmen adjacent, aside from whatever the fuck is going on with Jeremy Irons. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a sequel to Watchmen, almost certainly. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Pete so, on the screen in 19. There will yes. be many more opportunities for me Painted to call blue. out. The- yep. Yep. <laughs> so anyways, Watchmen was interesting and fun, and we'll see what comes next. Let's go over to the CW, though, for Supergirl in plain sight. Because from the highlight <laughs> to the low light, it's so bad. It's so bad. Okay, so Supergirl, you know how how strong I stand you. How how much I want to believe in the writers and in the, the, the energy and in the optimism and in so much of what the show stands for. And then they go and they write a scene as bad as the reveal of Kara's new uh, jerk co-worker who's actually secretly down to recover. And, he's, and he could never say mean things about Kara because clearly he loves her. They're setting, oh my God, they're, they're so awkwardly and ham-fistedly setting up um, like a... a some sort of a deeper connection and relationship because, oh, it's ridiculous to think that anyone could ever not fall over themselves to praise Kara as a journalist and like, which they haven't even remotely earned. And it's just, it's not a good performance. It's not, it's terrible writing and it's, it's just all of everything around it is bad and it bodes bad things for the season unless they like have him get squished next week, which I would be (laughs) all for. It's just, no. I wrote down our notes. This reveal is terrible, listeners. And it's all caps. And I feel strongly about it. Um, so, Noel, do you agree? Or am I being too harsh? <laughs> no, no, no. I think that this is an episode that I was just unhappy with on a number of levels. One with journalist guy that his energy is all wrong for this show. And which is a problem. And it prevents any sort of like feeling of. You know what? You know what this you know what he feels like more than anything? He feels like the journalist in emergence. He feels like he's from a different show entirely than what the rest of the show actually is. And I get that that's supposed to be something sometimes, but it's just deeply distracting in both shows. Um even though to a certain degree emergence kind of fixed that this a week. little bit. Yeah, they fixed a it. They made bit. it better. Yeah. Yeah, they made it better. It's not totally right, but Getting away from Supergirl. Um, yeah, reporter guy just doesn't belong here. And then, I mean, I know that we're watching it happen, but I was really set for the Malifalak stuff just to be a short arc and be done and be over. And now he's teaming up with Lena. And I'm just like, well, you're not teaming up with Lena. You're going to get used by Lena real hard. Just so hard because you have mind control powers and that's what she wants. And I'm just like, oh, don't do this show. Don't don't do this. Don't have her use the poor abused alien like this. Don't don't have her kick this dog, please. Oh, you're gonna do it. Okay. Okay. Great. So both reveals were bad. <laughs> but you know, James is gone. Poor James. I guess the show never did right by him. Anyway. No, they didn't. They really didn't. Um, and the notion that he had just has enough money sitting around that he can buy a newspaper is yeah. ridiculous. 
Um, but okay, sure. Uh, fair enough. They needed a reason for him to be gone. That's a reason. It's it's a reason. That's fine. <laughs> I'm going to destroy this whole town because of integrity. <laughs> yeah. I used to live here. I don't anymore, but I'm going to fix it. <laughs> yeah, it just, it really, like, I want to know why the person who runs Supergirl thinks that someone, particularly a man, but someone being rude and emotionally abusive to someone else is flirting and is cute and is interesting because it's the same thing that I think, I mean, it seems like that's what they're trying to do with Carr and this new reporter. And it's the exact same thing they did with Monel. And it's the exact same thing they've done several times over the course of the show. And it doesn't work. It's not interesting. And unless they're trying to contrast to set up Supercore later, like that's what a supportive relationship, that's what a meaningful any kind of relationship looks like. Whereas this just looks like he's a douchebag. And uh, now all of a sudden, uh, the fact that he's, uh, it hurt me every time I said anything mean to you. Why could I could never think those mean, terrible things, but I did it because I'm a hero and I had to sacrifice my, like, it's just bad. It's just really bad. Um, and you know, that's saying something this week because the flash was also, <laughs> really bad and this is this episode is there will be blood i've been enjoying this season overall for all these shows but like this stuff with ramsey right ramsey rosso ramsey rosso yeah the stuff with him is really bad something and yeah everything with it is bad his stuff is bad though i don't think i put that on the actor because i think i mean there's only so much you can do with that but all those flashbacks with his mom were terrible like laughably bad like how are we still doing the (laughs) cough into a kleenex pull it back and there's blood does she have consumption no she has cancer that's not how cancer works he hasn't been coughing up blood and he's got hlh or whatever this thing is it's just it's it's really bad yeah, I mean, all the like the stuff around, I feel like a lot of the superhero stuff is really bad. Like the flashbacks are just dire in this episode. And um it's just it was dull was the other like overall problem. Even when you're wanting to do some legitimately sort of scary sort of body horror stuff with the dark matter blood zombies which is a really neat concept i think and i generally sort of like how it gets executed here um but it's also oh okay we're gonna do this now because like just a week or two ago i was just like they can slow play this let it boil a little bit but then they're just like no he's got superpowers and he's evil now and he knows how to (laughs) use them type of thing and i just went oh yeah and he's being snarky to frost now okay all right well he's he's what is his end game for the rest of the season <laughs> yeah like he's supposed that... to be here all season yes oh wow yeah and wow. i don't know like i that's what i assume he's here all season because that's how they do this and i'm like wait i'm sorry what is his end game here just like I'm already like, what is he doing? What This doesn't make any sense. The problem is, the, the thing that I'm enjoying, though, is that his whole thing of, all right, 
I'm going to live by any means necessary, even if that means I'm going to strike a massive amount of fear into everyone to survive, is a really great juxtaposition to Barry's resignation of, I'm going to die so everyone else can live. And I really like that doubling, that symmetry, um, that foiling that they're doing with this season and purposely kind of configuring Bloodwork, which is the character's name, um, to fit that mold. And I think there's really good stuff there on top of everything else with like what's going on with um, Dibney, uh, D- Dibney um, being like, yeah, why should I bother finding this person? We're just gonna die. Um, <laughs> like we've been here before with that character, so it's a little tiring, but at the same time, it's a crisis this time and not the thinker's going to get us type of thing. So I think there's lots of like really good concepts and thematic sort of building that they're doing here, but this episode was just bad and it was boring. And I felt really bad about all the Cisco stuff too, because I just know Carlos Valdez wants to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I thought some of that was good. Some of it really didn't work. I like the scene with Joe, of course, whenever you know, oh, God, so and Joe. It's gonna be good. Uh, I, by the way, I was enjoying your vocal performance of Dibney <laughs> just a second ago. That was delightful. Um, yeah. So there's there's like some good character stuff. I really actually am enjoying Nash quite a bit. Um, this new Wells and having him stay like not interested in working with the team at all. I think has been a good yeah. way to to put you know pump some fresh blood into that. Uh, very tired. <laughs> a beat of this you know wells of the week but um yeah him him being the connection at least right now aside from barry's you know resignation that he's gonna die him having nash be connected to the monitor i think is uh is interesting and not what i expected and and a much more um exciting prospect than the other things that yeah. they're doing so far to set up the the crossover, but yeah, it just like the just step it step it up, Flash. You better be able to do better than that because that was very very not good. Um, Arrow, I think, has been stepping it up this week. We got Leap of Faith, and it was the you know like they've been bringing back characters this week. They brought back uh, Thea, and I thought it was a lovely episode. Very nice again, kind of goodbye to that character and. You know, bringing back Willa Holland for for one more adventure and using it to to underscore some themes and basically just have another adventure. It was good. I'm glad you thought so. Like, I really liked the Oliver and Thea stuff because that's always been a really strong corner of the show when the show went to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they never consistently did it, but when they did, it always really worked really really well. In no small part because I think Willa Holland's just really good in this role. Um, but the rest of the episode was just really boring because I don't care about Talia and Athena. Uh, cause I think I had, I had stopped watching by the time Athena definitely showed up. Um, and then I think I'd maybe seen one Talia episode. I was just like, all oh, this would be better with another Al Ghul lady who apparently is too busy to be on the show <laughs> right now. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So it just felt like, I it felt like a really kind of bad MacGuffin chase episode, which is what all these episodes have been. But this one just, it was about a corner of the show, which is Nanda Parbat and the League of Assassins that has never been well done on this show. So I just kind of immediately checked out when they were doing anything that wasn't just Oliver and Thea. Yeah. No, actually, I completely agree with that. I also don't care about anyone who's not Nissa 
Al Ghul. Yeah. Thank <laughs> um, you. But, Nissa. I couldn't think uh, of Nissa. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed the Thea and Ollie stuff so much, I kind of just glaze over the rest of it. But yeah, like the stuff with Diggle, I didn't care about. And I didn't even uh, I didn't even remember the Diggle and Lila stuff that is all about JJ setup stuff. Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. And um then I also like the future stuff I didn't care about. And I actively was very pissed off that they felt like they needed to kill off the Latina girl to save the white girl. There was, it was absolutely unnecessary. Why did they do that? They like, there was, so to have them cut, like if we get flashed into the present, I think is that's interesting. I'm excited for what's going to come in the next episode. I'm very excited for the the next episode. Um, Cause I like those performances, even if I don't care about the world at all. So yeah. putting like having Ollie interact with William is going to be super fun. Having Ollie meet Mia is going to be super fun. Um, yeah. But did they have to kill off? Like, did they have to kill off this Renee's other character? Daughter? Renee's daughter to do that, right? Um, yeah, no, it's really didn't. frustrating. And yeah, it's really frustrating, and also like they bring back actual our Renee mm-hmm. for like this next episode. And it's just like, oh, so you killed his daughter right when he's gonna be Beep. here? Yeah, uh, that's that's not great. Don't do that show. Oh, you did that show. Okay, yeah, I'm excited for this weird family reunion slash meetup, but mm-hmm. I'm also like. There is a better way to do this that didn't involve this this character dying. Yeah. I did enjoy the visual parallel, though, of Mia with the sword to her throat in the same angle as Felicity with Deathstrike. Like, there's some, there's been some good visual imagery and, and like, mirroring of previous moments this season. Um, so, yeah. I... I'm excited for what next episode will hopefully be. I really hope they don't keep killing off other characters to save our white leads, though, because like it's completely it's completely unnecessary. Um, what wins your week in TV this week? Um. Well, we Emergence had a really good week. I think um, it continues to just be a delightfully weird science fiction family hangout show. Um, but I think Superstore wins my week this week because oh, I love their Halloween episodes and we didn't even discuss poor, poor, sweet Kelly and Jonah and mm-hmm. their inadvertent, two inadvertent couples costumes. <laughs> oh, I saw that Sandy and Danny joke coming a mile away after she changed. And I just went, thank you, show. Thank you. So Superstore wins my week this week. Uh, what about you? I think I know, but I'm, I, I want to hear. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's definitely Watchmen. Yeah, I feel like that's going to be a bit of a trend through the rest of, of uh, the year, but we'll see. Uh, but shout out to Always Sunny. And also, I have some strong thoughts about Black Lightning, but Noel hasn't seen it yet. So we will talk about that next week. Um, yeah, next week on that one. So for now, let's take a break and listen to a trailer and come back with our season spotlight or series spotlight on Tuca and Birdie. We'll be right back after this. Let's just jump right into it. It's like whatever, you know? You're about to get Tuka. Tuka? 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 Oh, yeah. I miss you. Birdie. 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 You're my best friend. You're smart. Kapow! And get so bright. Wearing an article of clothing that's impossible to pin. I just pull it to the side. So, this is my new pet. I've got a Jaguar? Are you crazy? 
idea. Follow me. to be treated like a person and not an object. So get out of my space or I'll break your face! That was a trailer for Netflix's Tuca and Birdie, a one-season wonder, unfortunately, that was canceled uh, earlier this year. Um, it's an animated series following two friends, Tuca and Birdie, who are both birds, a toucan and a song thrush. Yes, like that. I believe so. Yes, yeah. Um, who are you know making their way through the world in in a very Bojacky kind of human anthropomorphized like animal kind of world um but yeah the main point is it's just a creative take on being a young person 20s 30s um in in the current day and in in this colorful spin on the world so uh this has been i think hyped a lot for us a lot of people have had it as like one of their best shows of the year it showed up on like the top 25 or top 50 shows of the decade around the mid part of the year we're like eyebrow raise um so did all of that hype affect your experience watching this what what did you think of the you know 10 like five hours 10 episodes that we get of Tuca and Birdie yeah I think the hype didn't help um because I do think that this is a very good show um and I think it's really kind of fun and it has some inventive aspects to it. And I think it has also just really, really good vocal performances. But I also go, I feel like I've covered a lot of this ground elsewhere. And other shows have done this or were doing this for a longer stretch of time sort of thing. And that I kept tripping me up while I was watching it and enjoying it of like, all right, because it's animated, they get to do a lot more they get to do a lot of things and it gives them freedom to do certain things. And I really appreciate that when we're going to have the zaniness of a cult fire or um, a couple different musical numbers or magical girl transformation to make a crunt. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that t- type stuff I think is all really good and really delightful and things that you can really only do through animation. But a lot of the ground that they cover that I think is really good ground to cover and is really well covered is still stuff that I feel like I've seen on crazy ex-girlfriend is still stuff that I've seen on, um, broad city and in any number of places, including down to the central pairing being wild free spirit, neurotic person with big dreams type stuff. And just like, all right, late twenties, early thirties, life is coming at you fast type of thing. Um, that I'm just like, I get why you like it, but why this much? And I almost wish we had someone on this week mm-hmm. to be like, this is why. So I could explain it unless, Kate, you liked it that much. Tell me you liked it that much and you can explain to me what I am missing. It really grew on me. Yeah, it does grow on you. Yeah. Because those first couple episodes are 
Mm. Yeah, I watched the first episode and I was like, oh. Uh, because it's like, it's fine. And there's some interesting stuff and the vocal performances are very good. I really enjoy having a St- a Stephen Yoon uh, as the uh-huh. speckle. Speckle. Um, there, and and uh, Richard E. Grant <laughs> as the boss at work is just like, oh, so good. So there's some some really great casting and, and voice performances. Nicole Byer also, we should mention, is like, other additional voices by a gazillion different characters yeah, it's, it's in this show. Terrific. Um, so there's, there's, I can definitely see why people like it. Um, but I was like, oh, this is, this is not a show for me. Uh oh, this is going to be a long 10 episodes. Um, but it really did grow on me in the first couple episodes. Like by the second, by, by the, like, like the third episode, I was like, okay, I, I get it. Yeah, this is fine. Uh, there's things that I really connect to and really enjoy about this. I see why it's spoke, like it speaks so strongly to so, so many people. But no, this is like, I'm like, yeah, it's good. It's fun. And it's a different, it's a different way of, of, like you said, using the animation allows them other options that live action don't have. But like you, you already mentioned it, but the, the, by far the biggest connection to me here is Broad City. This feels like an animated Broad City uh, with a few changes to it, a few tweaks, and and it deals with stuff that Broad City didn't. Um, yes, which and it does so I think very effectively, very powerfully, and very interestingly. And I can a particular, you know, I think a big part of this Tuca and Brady conversation has been the fact that it got canceled, and this does feel like the kind of show that would have a solid first season. And then depending, you know, had the would have the potential to then have a even better second season. And like by season three, season four is like great. Um, Cause you can see, I think I can see all that potential in this first season. There's a lot of really great ideas. There's a lot of strong world building. There's a lot more that the show, you can tell the show would like to, to have fun with and tackle and, and address that. It just kind of scratches at the surface of in this first season. Um, but yeah, I I do feel like if you're going to watch it and you haven't yet, try to let go of any of that baggage um, because it really is just another slightly different take on being a young person um, and trying to figure out your life. Yeah. And again, there's plenty of stuff in there to mine. And like you said, um, I think that there's plenty of, especially like... I end the finale being like really excited about like Speckle and Birdie's relationship and Mm -hmm. what that is. In fact, I mean, he like his whole sort of breakdown when she finally comes back home um, after that really great sequence. Like I legitimately think like the last two episodes are probably the best episodes of the season. Um, Particularly like the finale, I think is just remarkably strong. Um, Um, yeah, the finale and the penultimate, um, where they are in the Jelly Lake. Mm-hmm. And the Jelly Lake stuff is also very, very good. Um, is that there's a lot of stuff to keep going through that I'm way more interested in seeing the show tackle. And now we won't get to. So, like, Speckle and, um, Speckle and Birdie's relationship and how that functions um the degrees to which tuka is able to maintain and mature and grow while still being herself um and also reestablishing those connections with her family aside from her aunt who is really wonderfully voiced by jennifer lewis uh for one episode it's just like pitch perfect it was all a lot of stuff that i felt really comfortable with in terms of what they did and what they were wanting to talk about 
and again constantly going like but other shows have done this so i'm I'm, i was always like trying to figure out where the thread was coming from but then also by the end being like oh but you're setting up so many other really good things to like tackle in this next season that's never going to happen because you got canceled three months after you premiered because netflix's algorithm Mm -hmm. i guess um, which is, I think, lar- like a even larger thing to tackle because there's just, there's a lot of really good potential here that we're never going to get to experience. And that makes me sad. Yeah. Well, I think there's also the connection that the show has to Bojack Horseman, which is that some of the, the creators worked on Bojack Horseman. So like, there's some ties, production ties between right. the two shows. And, and I don't have any of that connection because yeah. I haven't watched any of Bojack. But in you know when you because so when you think of Bojack Horseman like the first is it's strong and interesting right from the jump but it just gets more nuanced and more uh more more complicated and more interesting as it goes so the show just keeps getting better and better I mean I'm I'm a few seasons behind but the, the I think that's true of the seasons I've seen and and they start taking more uh doing more experimental episodes they start doing. Uh, diving in deeper with characters they make some interesting choices and and do some reveals around some of the the characters that they definitely were not going to do in season one but by the time you get to season four season five they're they're really going for some interesting conversations in bojack and it feels like this is the same kind of thing where it's like imagine if bojack horseman ended after season one you know, like the, it would have a very right. different legacy than the, than what's going to happen when it ends at the end of, of the second half of season six here. Um, so oh, shout out, by the way, to friend of the show, Les uh, Chapel, who's reviewing it over at the AV Club, um, who has his reviews of the first half of season six are already up and he'll be finishing out the show over there as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, I think that's a big part of it too. Like you say, there's so much here. That would have been great in season two. Um, yeah. But so, so that's, that makes it, that always makes the sting harder versus a show that you feel like it, it has said what it wanted to say. Or, or if you're, if you enjoy it, but you're not sure that there was more there, there for another season when you can see so clearly the, the aspirations and the, uh, the ambitions of a show like this one to have it then not get to follow through on that it can be particularly disappointing yeah and i think that's sort of where i ended up was this is good but i'm disappointed i'm not getting more of it because i wanted to see where it grew into um because they just do a number of really interesting things like they really hint they don't hint they do a really good job of exploring familial abuse to a certain degree in um plumage which i really really liked with aunt Tallulah. um the entirety while i don't like i while i didn't really respond particularly strong to the entirety of sex bugs the way in which they dramatize that kind of anxiety through that episode, I think is really beautiful. And really, I love really the good. musical. Oh, right. The musical's really good, but also this whole thing of like, we've been here for 45 minutes and I'm just losing it. And how they're dealing with that, I think is just really good. And doing it in admittedly an chaotic grocery store, a grocery store that's already a little too chaotic. 
um, but just steadily ramping it up is just a really good way of exploring that. And the sex bugs feels like a weird distraction, but at the same time, you get the character arc of the the court. <laughs> <laughs> that was delightful. Oh, it was so fun. Which is really funny. It's really silly, and it's it's kind of the saving grace of the entirety of mutant sex bugs. Um, but I just generally think that there was just a lot of really good impulses in this show that had they gotten a second, had we watched this now and I knew a second season was coming on the pipeline, I would be very excited about a second season. Mm-hmm. What are the, the episodes um, or the characters that we haven't talked about yet that, that stood out to you? That's because it's, it's so easy. We've talked mostly about how we wish there was more of it and we, we would have yeah. probably liked more of it. So let, let's focus instead on, on what we actually get here. Uh, like, because obviously we are both birdies. <laughs> Um, yes but, yes we are um as someone writing about the great british bake-off uh all of all of birdie's baking stuff was just and, and who does massive holiday baking every year yes. all, all of all of the the baking stuff um was just very on brand for me uh when, when there's i don't even remember the episode there's a moment where where um she's made muffins or something and Tuka and Speckle are like, oh, these muffins are delicious. And she goes, yes, I know. They're perfect. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, yes, that is me. <laughs> it's like everything else might be a mess. But you know what's perfect? This tray of cookies. This beautiful tray of cookies. Don't you dare eat any of them. Okay, now you may eat them. But be appropriately grateful. Yes. Okay. Good. Next, I will make croissants. <laughs> Though I've never made croissants. I don't know if I have the have it in me. But but that that's still that feeling of of like this small thing that I've crafted is perfect and will bring joy. Um, it's th- there's a lot of little character pieces like that that I thought they really nailed. Yeah, and I think that that's really like the core trio. I think does a really good job of exploring those kind of like. Everything's really well calibrated. And from the writing for Speckle, Tuka, and Birdie to the vocal performances for Speckle, Tuka, and Birdie are all really good and really correct in terms of pitch, in terms of tenor, um, degrees of excitement. Um, to also just, again, like Stephen Yoon really nailing that breakdown that Speckle has at the end. Um, but also like one of those instances in which I feel like both the vocal performance and the animation were done at the same time, which is not how any of this works, Mm -hmm. um, from a production standpoint, but it was just like either they did all the animation first and then did the voicing, which they did not do because you almost always record the voices first, but then it's just like they got the audio track and matched the animation for Speckle just losing his goddamn mind over the fact that this relationship is very one-sided and I'm doing a lot of work here and I've made some bad decisions because of this. Like, I bought a house without a roof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think all of that is, like, really, really good. And just also just the fact that this show is again, sort of like, I'm guessing like Bojack, unwilling to explain or not interested in explaining why there are all these sentient animals and humans and plants um, is also just really delightful, but is also at a corner of the show that I feel like they never fully commit to exploring. 
Um, where I was just like, but I have so many questions about how this functions, and maybe this is the reason I haven't watched BoJack is because I have questions. Mm-hmm. That sounds like me in the movie Cars, which I have no interest in watching because why did they have handles? They are cars. Who oh, made like you know like Kate, I, I just it can't you know? Why are the cup holders? <laughs> As someone who went to go see Planes in theaters. Oh, wow. So he could talk about it with Josh Spiegel for Masterpiece. <laughs> Don't get caught up in that question as there are World War II flashbacks in Planes. And oh, I God. just have all the questions yeah. about how that f-ing works. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, no, I won't. I won't. Um, it occurs to me, we have mentioned the voice cast. We have not mentioned Ali Wong and Tiffany Haddish, who, of course, right. voice Berta and Tukey, uh, respectively. Um, but they're terrific. And they are. Yeah. They're, they're very good. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with Tiffany Haddish. Obviously, we've talked to her about her a bunch for, uh, Last OG here on the podcast, but I'm less familiar with Ali Wong. I've seen, um, Always Be My Movie. Um, yeah. And I've seen a few, I've seen her, I mean, she's done a lot of stuff. So I've seen her in things, but, um, but it was, it was really neat. I, I would not have associated her stand up with Birdie at all. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. versus, uh, Tiffany Haddish is steering much more into her public persona with her performance as Tuki, as Tuka. Um, and, and so that was, that was a bit of a discovery for me. It was interesting to kind of get a s- sense of Wong as a performer here with this, but, um, yeah, it it really the dynamic works so well. I'm very curious about like, do, do you know if they did they record it together or was it all separate? Usually, animation it's all separate. Yeah, usually it's all separate, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's all separate here as well, especially just given like their schedules. Yeah, they're very busy people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like Tiffany Haddish is just very busy. Yeah. Um. So I feel like that they definitely recorded separately, but it's so well cast and both. Haddish and Wong are in such a really good space, both as performers and probably also from a directorial standpoint, um, vocal direction standpoint, that it feels like they're together um, when they're recording. And that's really hard to hit. Normally that takes time to kind of build uh, when you're doing um, especially this kind of animation Um, and not this kind of animation, but doing this kind of storytelling in animation, I should say, uh, that's more emotionally driven. Um, it's harder to hit sometimes Uh, and you have to build to it because people have to go back and watch the episodes to hear how the other people are kind of performing. Um, if they don't, if the other person has not already recorded as is more often than not the case. Um, so I think that there's just a lot there from both of them that is really thoughtful. Um, okay, is really thoughtful and just really emotional. And again, I think Ali Wong, to your point, I think is like the big sort of revelation here in terms of. I think Tiffany Haddish is really really good. Um, she's not Lasso G good, um, but it's really good, and it's a really good, I think, sort of tweak on her public persona um, that based on what I've heard in passing of listening to her read her memoir, because um, my partner listen, listens to audiobooks and listens to Haddish, listen to Haddish memoir, is that this feels more a piece of that aspect of Haddish. Um, but Wong, like you said, is someone who I'm only familiar with more as a writer 
and having seen one stand-up special and then always be your maybe which goodness we should probably talk about that show that movie at some point um but this is also like the big thing for me of like yeah i would not have associated her stand-up with this kind of a character in this type of performance at all but it's perfect to the point where i remember not knowing that she was in this and going this is a really good christian skull stall performance oh it's not okay right type of thing is kind of where i landed yeah that's interesting yeah i would not have i would not have guessed it was her um without knowing that um but that just tells me i need to watch more of her stuff and get a better sense of of her work um any final thoughts on to convert do you recommend it should people seek it out yeah i think you should seek it out i do think it's good um but i do agree with what you said near the top of this conversation of modulate expectations i think is probably an appropriate thing to do um if only because it'll allow you to enjoy it even more mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> if you're just like no they were wrong this is very good how dare they and then yeah. you can be angry at us and you can leave us a comment at the televerse at gmail.com or on facebook <laughs> um <laughs> hey that's but- my thing you're stealing my bit <laughs> <laughs> I have one bit, Noel. I have one bit. <laughs> it's not even a bit, but I'm so not funny. That's what I'm going to call my bit. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do think that helping that will, to moderate those expectations, I think will be good. Um, because I don't want you to be disappointed given the sheer amount of like praise and placements that it got, especially, again, on best of the decade list. It's best of the year list, I can understand um to a large degree it is almost certainly not in my top 20 um which is already something i'm thinking about because we're in november but i can understand it being on top 20s i'm not sure i can understand it being on top 50s of the decades but that's just me so i think it's good i think it's worth watching for one hit wonder type of deal um what about you do you recommend i feel like you're also going to recommend this though yeah no i think it's worth watching if if you're curious seek it out you you'll you may not know after one episode but by two yeah. three i think you'll have a sense of if this is a show for you um and if what we're saying is not of interest then maybe not <laughs> maybe don't seek it out um but i mean i particularly like i said i earlier i particularly enjoyed the music i particularly enjoyed the there's by the way i don't know if you picked this up there's a lot of use of classical music but like remixed classical themes like throughout the season which i thought was really interesting there's some there's some vivaldi there's some some i want to say handel there's just some big very famous classical pieces but like remixed and just the like the theme taken to to use in other moments in a way that i think was was very interesting um so yeah there's 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 a lot to enjoy about Duke and Birdie, even if for me, it doesn't rise to the level. I, I didn't connect with it as much as, as all, I know a lot of other people did. Um, but yeah, well, TV well worth watching. Yeah. That takes us to the end of the episode. A few show notes. You can find a post for this episode over at the televerse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can find our podcast in Apple Podcasts with an M4A chaptered feed and MP3 unchaptered feed. We're also up in Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. If you do leave us a rating review, let us know. Reach out. We'd like to hear from you. Um, and we're also both on Twitter. I'm at the televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much for a great week, Kate. Thank you, Noel, and thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse.